Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, you don't want to be me. You don't want to be, you don't want to be in a hospital. You don't want to be almost dead. You want to seriously listen because we all do this. We go, oh, life is short. Somebody gets hurt and we go, oh my God, so-and-so died. Oh, life is short. We should really live better. And what do you do? You get up the next day, you do the same thing you've ever done and you forget all about it. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be meeting with an old friend of the show and talking about leadership lessons learned. Now, Chuck Whitworth uh, was a guest way back in episode 11. He joins us again to talk about an important leadership lesson he learned over the past two years. Now, this is a cautionary tale that every leader needs to hear because you might be falling into the same trap. So listen in to our friend Chuck Whitworth and I talking about leadership lessons. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a returning guest to the show, Chuck Whitworth. You might remember Chuck, also known by many on Twitter as Chief Chuck, from way back in episode 11. Chuck is a retired Navy Chief Petty Officer with 24 years of service. He served as an aviation structural mechanic, maintenance manager, and instructor flight engineer on the P-3 Orion. Chuck amassed over 5,000 flight hours in his career and led over a 1,000 sailors in various maritime patrol squadrons and staff position. He currently is employed as a senior program manager for international programs at Naval Air Systems Command. And I'm excited to have Chuck back on the show to talk about an interesting subject. We're going to talk about leadership failure, which should be interesting. So, Chuck, welcome back to the show. Thank you, John. It's uh, it's truly an honor and a pleasure to be back and and. Three and a half years, oh my gosh, it's gone by in a flash, and, and 
it's been great to to be one of the first and then watch your continued success with the podcast and the book. So uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you back. I didn't realize it was so long since your last visit. I just assumed it was like last year. And then I looked, it was three and a half years ago. You were one of the, you know, I think we're at episode 11, just one of the yeah. early ones. Uh, we were just new at podcasting, didn't know what I was doing. Um, and now we're, you know, a top 2% show in the world. And uh, yeah, and you're back. And uh, and nothing has happened over three and a half years, right? It's been a, just a quiet you know, the world that we've lived in. <laughs> yeah, not a thing has happened. You know, nothing newsworthy that I can think of in the last three years. For <laughs> it's been sure. a crazy, crazy yeah. half years. So, yeah, but I think we've all learned something. We have, and we're all still we're still here. So, which is good. Which is yeah. really good. So, um, just in the interest of, we have a lot of new listeners from from back in from episode eleven. But tell us a little bit. I mentioned a little bit in the intro, but tell us what you did in your naval career, um, and then kind of what you do today. So just get us up to speed with what, what, you know, what you did and kind of what you do today. Yeah, sure. No. Um, so I joined, I'm one of those guys, I joined the military right out of high school back in way back in the day of 1981. Um, didn't want to grow up in a mill town in Georgia. So the military or jail seemed to be the only option. So I chose wisely and chose the military, did a stint in the army for a couple of years, um, figured out I really didn't like camping out for a living. Um, so went and talked to the Navy recruiters and they were happy to have me. Um, so joined the Navy, got into to aviation, uh, started with an ASW with the anti-submarine warfare platforms, did a couple of tours in helicopters, uh, then uh, got to go to a P-3 squadron and decided I really liked the P-3 Orion and I really liked per diem and some of the locations we went to. Uh, worked on the P-3, got qualified and then decided I watched the flight engineers, which is uh, an enlisted position in the Navy, Naval Air Crewman, uh, sit up front with the pilots, flight engineers responsible for all the, the engines, the aircraft systems, emergency procedures, fueling flight, flight data management. Um, if we get home with gas, we did a good job. And if we get home without <laughs> gas, we're all getting wet. So, um, yeah, like you said, I had about 5,000 hours as an instructor, flight engineer. So did basically 24 years in the Navy, retired back in 2007. Uh, did like a lot of veterans do and go immediately to work for the Navy. Uh, when we get out, um, was a contractor for a few years of contractor support, working P3, oddly enough, and then got a government position as a logistician, was on the P8 and the P3, went to international programs, delivered P3s to Taiwan, Germany's midlife upgrades, P8s to Norway. Uh, I have done a stint in weapons with some pretty cool with Harpoon, Joy Standoff Weapon, the, the RASM, long-range weapons. Uh, and then currently I'm working for Air uh, Anti-Submarine Warfare Systems off Program Office, uh, basically selling sauna buoys to Submariner's Nightmare. Um, <laughs> so I'm selling, especially die-cast sauna buoys, um, selling those uh, to our international partners that are operating the P-8 and the H-60 Romeo now. And that's how we got to here. That's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Son of Buoys are the uh, submariner's nightmare. And uh, having heard many of them through the hull of a submarine, it's a, it's annoying, obnoxious. And what's worse is that there's nothing you can do about it. You can't get nope. away. Nope. <laughs> That's the worst we're, thing. We're listening. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we, we I did a lot of operations with the P3s. And and when they had you, it, it, it was kind of game over. It was, uh, it was one of those things that uh, we can get away from a lot of surface ships 
a lot of different weapons platforms, but the but the P3 and the Asana buoy, you're you're done. <laughs> you're <Yep>. toast. <laughs> yep. We can stay out there a long time and we don't yep. go away. So yeah, it was it was good. You know, you get to see the like you said, you, you know, we joined the Navy and you do get to see the world a lot and you meet yeah. a lot of really, really cool people. Uh, and I tell everybody today, that's, you know, the best job I've ever had was being in the Navy. And, you know, for a lot of reasons that, that if you know, you know. Um, so yeah, I couldn't, couldn't be prouder of my service. And uh, I'm glad to extend that leadership that I learned there to a generation that's still coming up. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, w- I was thinking way back when, when we had you on the show before, one of the things we talked about, I think we, we uh, the name of this, the episode was Listen to the Chief or Listen mm-hmm. to Your Chief. And um, we talked about the important role that a chief petty officer plays in the Navy. It's a very unique role. And, um, and so maybe just share a little bit about that, you know, as far as, you know, the role that a chief petty officer plays in the Navy and, and the role that you play in the Navy is really critical and it's something that uh, is unique. You don't see that so much in the in the in the business side as as well. But it was such an important position in the Navy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to that point, to a transition, I I had the same issue, and a lot of chiefs that I know have the problem. If you come out of the Navy and you enter the civilian quote unquote sector, even if it's still government, um, the first thing that slaps you in the face is nobody cares if you were a chief. <laughs> you know, they, they could care less. Um, but I also found out that same, that works the same way with captains. Um, a lot of folks, you know, if you, if the people don't have an understanding of, of, of our hierarchy and structure and our culture, um, they just don't know and they don't care. Um, but in the Navy, you know, the chief, you know, you grow up as a young enlisted guy and you learn, you know, you, A, you're scared to death of the chief, first of all, but then you <laughs> learn that the chief is, is as mean and as gruff as they are, they have your back and they're there, they're there to teach you. And they're more importantly, from a leadership standpoint, they are there to have your best interest at heart, represent you up the chain as well. And sometimes they have to be that screen uh, between a lot of really, you know, stupid things. Uh, they come down from the front office sometimes that they have to be that screen. So you, you, you learn that, you know, in, in, in the chief's creed that you do once you pin your anchors on is, you know, they tell you that, you know, you're, you're to be the ambassador for the Navy. You're also, you're the lamp of knowledge of the Navy, that the young sailors and the junior officers are looking to the chief um, for knowledge and experience and wisdom and guidance. So, you know, kind of the, the, the role that the chief and the, the mystique behind it, yeah, we, we can be like that when we have to. But I think most true chiefs that you talk to, we really treasure our role of being advocates for the junior sailors and teaching them not only technical skills, but leadership skills. But also, um, for me personally, some of my greatest um, benefit I got out of being a chief and what I enjoyed the most is is when you would get the off- new officers that would come into the squadron, your junior officers, you really you had an opportunity to make or break the future of the Navy, in my opinion. Um, and it's not that they didn't come with knowledge, but they didn't have the experience. And how how some chiefs treated junior officers was um, just awful. Um, but the chiefs that truly cared, yeah, we were tough and we were hard, but we would, we would always find that junior officer and kind of pull them alongside and go to chipmate, listen, you know, 
hey, sir, listen, you, you kind of, when you get up in front of the troops, maybe, maybe go from this direction and talk like this. Hey, sir, uh, that's, a, I get where you're coming. I'm not a, maybe not a good idea because, and you help them, you help them gain their first successes as leaders in the Navy. And you do it without any credit and you do it in the background and you do it so that it's not about you. So chiefs really have that servant leadership and that selfless leadership thing down pat because it's not about us. Um, it, when things go bad, it's my fault. I'm the chief. When things go good, you guys are awesome. I didn't have a damn thing to do with it. Um, so it, it plays a good role. And in, in many, it, you know, I think in the Navy, they consider the chief's middle management or whatever you would consider it in the civilian sector. But it was also that great gap of, of the bridge that, that you talk so well about of, you know, it's a people business. How mm. do you how do you bridge that gap between, you know, the, the enlisted guys, which are the blue collar workers and the officers, which are the white collar, you know, administrative program management stuff. So you have to be that person that you understand, you understand strategy and you understand tactics and you have to lead from the front. And so. Yeah, it it was it's as a unique position in the military for the chiefs, especially the way the way that we're treated in the navy as a chief. But it also carries out. I think when you go out in the civilian sector, once you learn you're not in the military anymore, there are still a lot of good valuable lessons, like I just pointed out, that carries you very well into the civilian sector of focusing on leading people, being there for your people, learning to share successes, but learning to shoulder blame as well. So it was a valuable tool for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just give a quick shout out to Chief Nunez, my first Chief Petty Officer as a young ensign showing up on the Tennessee. And Chief Nunez had about as many years in the Navy as I'd had on on on, on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he was kind to me, showed me the ropes and uh, helped me be successful. And I think that is a really important partnership uh, between Young junior officers and their chief is a really strong partnership, and I and I absolutely appreciate, I appreciate everything Chief Nunez did for me. Um, one of the things you said in in the in the prior interview, which it it stood with me, and I I didn't even listen to the, the old episode, but you said something back then. It's always stuck with me. Is that in a lot of ways sometimes the the officers can be the brains of the organization, and the enlisted guys are the are are, are the 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 body or the the legs the feet of the organization you said that the chief petty officer connects the two and you're the backbone of the navy and i think that really stuck with me yep. is that connecting force between you know between the officers and the enlisted team and it's really important it's an important role to play and it's again something you don't see as much in business as you do in 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 the military so i always appreciated the chief position i've always had so much respect for the chief petty officer position because it's, it was such an important role, it's such a unique role that you don't really see it any other place. So, yeah, thanks right. for that. I really appreciate you you sharing that because I think that helps put in perspective a little bit about what that unique role that you played in that role. So, absolutely. And my son, by the way, my son is in the Navy. He's enlisted, so he is uh, on the USS Thomas Hudner. He's in the Persian Gulf right now, and that's what I told him when he got to his ship. I said, "Listen to your chief." Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My son, he joined the Navy as well and, and, and did a tour. And, um, I, I, I had to hear a lot of stuff from him and I think it might've been a disadvantage for him to go in. He had heard all the sea stories, um, that me and a bunch of fellow chiefs that we all hung together. He'd heard a lot of the sea stories and I had to keep reminding him that the the Navy of 2013 was not the Navy of 1985. Um, 
So uh, he was expecting a lot of things, and in and in a way, he did. He 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 experienced some some very very good chiefs and some very bad chiefs, unfortunately, um, on his ship. And I told him to take away the same thing that Chiefs had told me that, hey, look, man, there's a great benefit to having a bad leader as well because you learn something from every leader you encounter, whether it's a good or a bad leader. If nothing else, you learn what not to do. So that's a gift in itself. So, um, yeah, he he found out the hard way. Um, you know, he he thought he had an advantage being a Chiefs kid, but he found out. <laughs> He found out that when he would slack off that, of course, I had the email and phone numbers of all the chiefs on his ship and they would give, <laughs> they would give me a call and I would promptly, I got to join a lot of impromptu chief mess meetings uh, with my son. And so that's always, I'm sure, embarrassing for him that when your dad shows up to a chief's <laughs> meeting via phone call that he's chewing your ass in the chief's mess. But I told him, I'm a chief first right now. You're in the Navy. I'm a chief first. You're my son second. But I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, so far I've stayed away from everything to do with what uh, my son's doing. So yeah. I, I've been out for 30 years, so I don't, I don't even yeah. know what, uh, what's going on in the Navy these days. So. Yeah, it's totally different now. So I'm yeah. sure that my style of leadership in the Navy-wise, I'm not sure it would be quite uh, I, in line I, with what Mick Pond wants to do right now. I think you're entirely correct. <laughs> so, um so, so in the introduction, I mentioned we're going to talk about leadership failure, and um, mm-hmm. and that's really what I want to get into. You know, you had uh, you recently had a leadership failure in a high stress job. You were a GS fifteen at a big, high visible job. Uh, you had a failure, but it eventually led to success. So, I wanted to get a chance for you to share that story because I think there's a lot of lessons in that we can all learn as leaders uh, through your story. So, share share. Share the situation, what happened, and uh, and then what you did about it, and how it kind of led to where you're at today. Yeah, sure. So you know, and it's like when I talk to you in pre-show, it it, it plays out like a three-part Greek tragedy. Um, it's I think it came came out to a happy ending. What you know, it remains to be seen. But back in March of 2020, um, there was the our current director of international programs at, at our weapon system where I was currently working. As a uh, as an integrated program team lead, um, he he retired. They opened up his job. I was a GS fourteen. Um, for those that don't understand the GS system, you can Google it. It's OPM. It's a very open. You can find it. You can even see what I make, um, and it's no big deal. But for in 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 civilian government civilian service, you know GS thirteen, fourteen, fifteen are considered high grade. GS fifteen is the equivalent of a Navy captain. Um, SCS, senior executive service ranks or flag officer equivalents in the civilian world. So I applied for the job. Really, the only reason I applied for the job was to put my name in the hat, um, show them that I cared about our organization, that I was invested in it, and I was invested enough uh, to try to, to to put my name in the hat. I'd only been a GS-14 for a couple of years, so this was very highly unlikely to get selected. So just when you think it's highly unlikely you'll get selected for something, what happens? You get selected for something. Um, so I, I took it on, um, started off with a pretty hard case of imposter syndrome, which I think I think a lot of humble leaders, we, we do that. We go, we don't deserve to be here. Um, but then I finally realized, well, now I have the responsibility. I have the watch, um, to quote a book title. Of somebody I know. Um, it was it was it was my watch then, and so I had to just suck it up. It didn't matter what I thought; I had to leave. So 
the program I'm with was a very, it's a, it, we serve 36 countries for standoff weapons and, and cruise missiles. Um, you know, 36 countries, it's about, a, at the time, about a $13 billion portfolio, um, moving a lot of weapons, uh, worked to Ukraine uh, situation, everybody that saw the tugboat that got sank by the harpoon. Um, that was my team um, that we put together, did it in about 45 days from, we drew something out on the napkin of how we could build a launcher out of spare parts and get a, a spare harpoon set of missiles. Uh, and then 45 days later, they're sinking a Russian tug. So obviously a lot of OSD off, uh, I'm sorry, I'm using the acronyms. I should know better. <laughs> um, secretary defense level, president level, Congress level attention. So it's high stress. Um, did this, did this continuously for a couple of years. And I, I realized about two years into it that I, I went to the doctor and I had a Navy doctor and flight surgeon. And he basically told me, he looked at the numbers, he looked at me and he goes, I don't know what's happened to you in the last couple of years, but you are a train wreck. He goes, chief, he goes, you're committing slow motion suicide. And that kind of woke me up. Um, I was constantly, wasn't sleeping, but well, about two, three hours a night, um, had, I'm already a chubby guy, have been, but I gained a lot of weight. Um, people that knew me knew I didn't look good. Uh, I was in a, I was just in a crappy mood all the time. Um, but I kept trying to exercise and I kept going, man, you know, ah, you know, I keep cramping up, had these things. Um, they go away. Turns out went to the cardiologist. I'd had, they called silent heart attacks. Um, that I had about probably for about six, seven months, I'd have little mini heart attacks. Couldn't really feel all of the symptoms because I'd become a type two diabetic. And so nerve damage, I couldn't feel all of the symptoms. Um, so really I was just like he said, I was committing slow motion suicide. Knew I had to do something and I knew what the outcome was going to be. And it was crushing me because I realized that as, as good of a leader as I am, and I don't say that out of my own um, braggart, but I mean, people tell me, and I understand I am a good leader. Um, I had taken really good care of my people to the point as a leader, I had taken so good care of my people that I was doing their work for them. I wasn't delegating anymore. I was taking on tasks. I was going and getting the butt chewings, which is fine for a leader, but I also wasn't holding my team accountable. Mm. I had given them the responsibility, but I was not holding them accountable for the results. I was taking it all on myself. I was telling them to take their time off. I was making sure they got out of the office early. Leaders, if you're a leader, listen to me when I tell you, when I tell you this, when you think that you have to be the last one out of the office, Everybody else there is waiting for you to leave. Mm. They're going to hang around too. Nobody wants to leave before the boss. You think you're being noble and wise that I'm the last one out. Captain goes down with the ship. They're going to sit there with you. You're, you're eating up their time. You're, you're not managing your time well enough if you can't prioritize to get out of work on time. Everything that I was doing was not leading by example, which is rule number one of leadership. The first thing you learn about being a leader is you lead by example. You you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you set the tone for the team. 
I also realized I was coming into work. I had a scowl on my face. I wasn't my jovial self. I wasn't Chuck. I wasn't. And people, John, I'm telling you, people that I've known for 10 years that have worked with me, they were coming up to me and going, hey, dude, we we miss old Chuck. We loved old mm, Chuck. Where's yeah. old Chuck? Yeah. Old Chuck was the guy that was putting googly eyes on the little figures of the men's room. You know, the guy that was just, people liked being around. And I liked, I, and I was going, I love him too. I miss him. Yeah. But I can't be him anymore because now I've got this senior rank and I have to act a certain way. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't be myself. I wasn't leading by example. I was a walking time bomb close, closer to death than I've probably ever been in all of the flights that I've ever done, all of the stuff I've done in the Navy. I was closer to killing myself, not knowing it at the time or not realizing it. And so I had to make a decision. So the decision was hard. I called up a friend of mine that is at the program office I'm at now. She and I had worked together and she's the principal deputy program manager. I'm like, Jesse, hey, listen, you're looking for people, you're looking for someone to do your international program because you're you're you got a vacant billet, you know, it's a it's a GS14 position. I got somebody for you. She goes, Great, who? I was like, How about me? She goes, Wait, what? She goes, you're going to step down? I was like, I have to, Jesse. And I told her the story, and she's like, please, come on. So my leadership was very supportive of me. Um, they understood. Um, so I, like I said, I didn't take a pay cut. The way our rank system works is really irrelevant. Um, and that's a key point that I'll get to at the end that I learned. Um, but I just sat down with my wife, and I'm like, I got to do something, and this isn't it. And she goes, yeah. She goes, I don't even like being around you right now because you mm-hmm. come home late. You're grumpy. You get yeah. up early. You're pissed off constantly. You're yeah. on the phone on the weekends. Um, you're at the beck and the call, and you don't know how to turn your cell phone off. And I, that was a problem. So um, I made a decision. I told my team that I felt like my time of leading them had come to an end, and I told them why. Um, and I took on this job. And that was in March of this year, 2023. And so that's kind of the Greek tragedy because I sat around and go, oh my God, what did I do? People are going to see me as a failure. I'm a quitter. I couldn't handle it. I'm weak. I wasn't that you're going to hear the talking of he never should have been in there in the first place. I was, I was trying to justify my imposter syndrome from day one of going, see, you really didn't deserve it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. 
This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty Strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. My wife made me go on vacation. I'm sitting in Daytona Beach and I'm listening to Deep Leadership Podcast. And it was one of the gentlemen that was in Texas. He's, I forget, he's, I forget what his role is, but he, he started, I listened to him and I'm like, you know what? He's, he's, he's right. And I, and I listen to a lot of your podcast and I'll tell you, I'll tell people, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I really don't. Yours, I listen to going to work um, because you do have good guests on them. And so I'm, I'm starting to think, and, and and I'm thinking, and, and oddly enough, I'm sitting here. I'm going, what would John tell me? What does he think about <laughs> You know, what, what would John what, say? <laughs> what would what would John say? What would Jocko say? What would all of these other people say? And I had this epiphany sitting on the, on the beach that, you know what? They would say exactly what you don't want to admit to yourself that you did everything right with everybody else except yourself. Yes, you did yes. not lead yourself first. <clears throat> yeah, and this is the point that I learned. And you said it, I've read it a thousand times. Simon Sinek will say, all of the great people that are around us will tell you, I cannot lead everyone else until I learn to lead myself first. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the cliche, I was living out all the cliches. Can't pour from an empty cup. You certainly can't. Um, got to take care of yourself. You got to lead by example. Set the tone. You know, walking into work in a grumpy mood, and then I'm getting pissed off at everybody. What are you all? I'm like, why are you guys all pissed off? And then I'm realizing they're sitting there and they're reflecting me. I'm the leader. If I'm mad, they're going to be mad. They don't even know what they're mad about. 
I didn't know what I was mad about. So now we're all sitting there pissed off at each other and nobody really knows why we're all mad. And the job's not getting done. The mission's not getting accomplished. Yeah. And so I went through the self-pity stage of this, almost like the five stages of grief. Oh, poor me. You know, I've ruined this. I'm a nobody. Nobody's going to want me. I'm the worthless leader now. I'm a quitter. Um, And then, (laughs) so then I listened to, again, another deep leadership podcast. And I connected with some of the people, your guests on LinkedIn, talked to them, um, went back and read all my books, started doing some really serious thinking. And then the, and in more than just this way, my life kind of changed a little bit due to your podcast is you had Brian Jodas on yeah, from F3. And it's a, it's a little, it's a little emotion, but it hit me, man. Yeah. And I reached out to Brian on Twitter and I'm like, brother. I, I don't know what to say. And so Brian interacted with me and he goes, dude, you're okay, man. You're all right. You're yeah. going to be okay. So I started going to some F3 stuff. And then Jerry Adams, Jerry, yeah. you know, Jerry's book came out and I got to go to his book signing in Pennsylvania. Got to I saw Jerry that in person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, listen, and a, and a lot of the FOE guys were there supporting him and I got to talk to them. And, and I realized that you know, dude, it is not about you. You you have turned this inward. Yeah. And while it is about you, mm. it's not about you. Mm. And, and I say that to quit. I say that to make, I had to make myself quit listening to myself. Mm. And just recently is just a couple of weeks ago. I have finally reached the point um, between getting getting my fitness back, getting my health back, getting my faith right. And, you know, when I say faith, you know, just like the F3 guys will tell you, it's, it's, it's not a denomination. It's just a belief of something. You're a part of something that is bigger than you and you have an obligation to pay back. And what is your true worth as a person? So that's kind of turned my life around a little bit. And then I actually did have to go see probably the most powerful thing outside of, of Brian and then Frank Schwartz, you had Frank on as well. Yeah, yeah. Dark Helmet was on. And so I reached out. These guys are awesome because you can reach out to them yeah. in real life. And they just, they, they would just embrace you. Yeah. Um, same yeah. thing with Jerry. Jerry has talked to me, Jeff Putnam, all of the guys, anybody yeah. I reach out to, they're like, brother, you're okay, man. We yeah. got you. We've yeah. got your six. To shout out Brian's podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. I did have to go. I didn't have to. I was, suge- was suggested by my doctor strongly that I go. And I never knew there was such a thing as a occupational stress therapist. Mm, but, interesting. But, yeah. but there is. Um, there's not many of them. So I talked to this, this guy. Um, he listened to my story, listened to my life story, let me power it all out. And he goes, Chuck, he goes, you seem like a pretty, pretty smart guy and you seem okay. He goes, so listen, he goes, let me ask you this. He goes, we can agree, can we not, that one day, everyone on this earth, we will all, we will all have a tombstone written about us. And I'm like, well, yes, yeah, so far, I don't know anyone that's gotten out of here alive, but okay. Right. He, goes, he goes, listen, man, it's very simple. He goes, you need to, he goes, you need to cage your mindset like this. He goes, if you had the opportunity to write your own tombstone, would you write on your tombstone, here lies 
Naval Air Systems Command's best program manager ever? Or would you choose the tombstone that says, hey, here lies Chuck. He was a great husband, father, brother, friend, good man, full of honor, lived the best life possible. He goes, which one do you want? He goes, 100 years from now, Chuck, he goes, work will not know your name. He goes, you can leave a legacy. He goes, you can leave a legacy. But 100 years from now, they won't know your name. He goes, your family will. He goes, how do you want your family to talk about you 100 years from now? Do they want, do you want them talking that, oh yeah, he's the asshole that never came home from work and when he did, he was in a grumpy mood and never talked to us. Or do you want him talking about you as he was full of life, he loved life, he loved people, he gave back to his community. He was the best man that he could possibly be. What could I say to that? Yeah. And that's, John, it's stuff that I've known my whole life, we all know it. Yeah. I just had to get out of my own head. So to wrap that now, the happy part of the Greek tragedy, I'm down 30 pounds. My blood pressure is under control. I'm no longer a type 2 diabetic. I have found my faith again. I'm using scripture not as a to, to preach in pulpit. I, I'm, I'm going through the scripture. I'm using Proverbs as a leadership book, how you can take Proverbs and how these are leadership things. You know, I even, I gave it, in fact, I gave a talk this afternoon about Job. And it wasn't from court. You never should pray for the patience of Job. You really want to be like Job? You probably don't. No. But what I did, how I related Job to leadership was, hey, when you're when you're a worker bee and you're down there, do you see what God did with Job? Job kept questioning the boss. And so God very simply said, we'll do a leadership lesson. Job, if you think you can do it better than me, have the seat. Mm, did, yeah. But did you think about this? Did you think about this? Sometimes it's not so fun to be the boss. It looks fun. <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah. fun until, and it's like I've said it, you've seen it on Twitter. I've said it many different ways. Everybody wants to be the boss until it's time to do the boss stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I use that now. And so, and I told my friend today, we left, I'm like, you know what? I wake up in the morning. I used to wake up and go, geez, old Pete, I got to go to work. I wake up now and go, hey, first thing I do is I open my eye and I poke and I go, Okay, I'm still here. Whew, thanks. <laughs> thanks, dude. I'm still here. And then I go, what do I get to do today? Yeah. What do I get to do to make the world a better place? How do I become a better leader? How am I a better husband, father? How am I a better pro- How? What do I get to do today so that when I wind up back here 12, 13, 14 hours from now and get to lay down again, I go, yeah, man, it was a good day. I did all right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of that. It was a leadership failure that I thought, and it was. I did fail. I did not lead the way I should have. But now I'm trying to take that and advocate that and get that message out to other leaders, like with this, going, "Hey, you don't want to be me. You yeah. don't want to be. You don't want to be in a hospital. You don't want to be almost dead. You want to seriously listen because we all do this. We go, oh, life is short. Somebody gets hurt, and we go, oh my God, so and so died." Oh, life is short. We should really live better. And what do you do? You get up the next day, you do, you do the same thing you've ever done, and you yeah. forget all about it. Yeah. Don't forget about it. It's too important. This is this powerful. There's so many lessons there. And, and I think that, you know, and, and listeners, as you as you hear those lessons and you put yourself in that story, where you fit in that story, right? And I think that a lot of leaders find themselves where I think there's a lot of things that, that, that I notice, as you said, you were um eh, you were acting as if you you were acting in the role that you thought somebody at that level should act, 
right? Yes. And so you were playing a part. And I think that we see a lot of that. I saw a lot, I saw a lot of that in corporate America where somebody get promoted to manager, they start acting differently, you know? Mm-hmm. I saw it in the Navy too, where people would get their khaki uniform as a chief and they would act different. Like on day one, you're like, wait, you yep. were that, you were kind of a cool guy, you know, before now you're, you know, you're, you're, you're acting like a chief, you know what I mean? So, so, so I think that we, that's a big problem when you start acting, not what would not, not authentic to what your real self is that you're putting on a, 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 a show for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're, when your natural self is here and you're pretending to be or acting a certain way, I think when those are apart, that creates a lot of stress because you're, you're playing a part that doesn't, you know, that that's, you're not, it's not natural to you. And I think that creates a lot of stress. And I, and again, I think you're right. A lot of us continue to do things that are unhealthy for us because of fear of what it would look like if I move to a different position. What mm-hmm. do these guy people will think? It, it doesn't, uh, you know, all the fears I had going into this job is all, are all going to be realized when I move to this other position, you know? Um, you know, it's like me right now. I was a, I was a big shot in corporate, you know, vice president for years, right? Ran lots of big businesses. And now I'm a small business leader, right? I have a small team. I have a small factory, right? So you would say my whole life is, 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 is a failure compared to what it was. Right. But I've never had more fun in my life (laughs) the last, you know, it'll be eight years in January. And, um, and I, and I love it. And I can, I can be myself in this role. And I was like you, I kind of moved up pretty high and I got to the position where I didn't like my job. I was, you know, I was, I spent more time in meetings than I did with people on the shop floor. And I really love being around people on the shop floor. Now I spend all my time with people on the shop floor. Yeah. I don't spend any time in, in meetings at all. And I do what I'm naturally gifted to do. I think when we do that, I think we're much better off as leaders when we do what's more natural for us. So man, it's a, that's a great story. It's, it, and it's, and it's, and, and, you know, my hat's off to you for for realizing it and then making a shift and change. Because a lot of guys don't, and they go right into that heart attack. They go right into yep. 65 in the grave, and you're like, what happened? You know, they work themselves to death, and so many guys do that. And the fact that you recognize that you made a shift, made a change, and you brought the old Chuck back, yeah, which I love. I love Yeah, he, he, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, talk, I had a meeting with my supervisor just this week. And, you know, he, he keeps trying to help me. He goes, I know you want to get your 15 back, Scott. And I told him, I was like, Scott, listen, I, 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 this past weekend, I thought about it. I turned 60 years old in October. I understand where I'm at in the scope of my career. I've, I can work till whenever I want, but I understand that I probably got at least another six years until I can retire again from government service. I told him I would rather, I'm done. I told him I'm done chasing titles, dude. Yeah, I'm done chasing paychecks. I know I have started listening to everybody around me. I I am I am okay enough with myself now to say, Chuck, you are a good leader. Yeah. And the value that you bring to the table is I, I met a group of interns for Navarre and we all speak about our programs. I spent the first 20 minutes of my 40 minutes with them telling them my story and going, if you're gonna be a government employee, start now. Don't be like me. Yeah. And and then I also tell them from a leadership standpoint, I'm like, if you're a junior person, do not sit in the back of the room and keep your mouth shut and go, well, I'm just junior. They're never going to listen to me. I was like, do you guys have any idea how many good ideas we've lost in the history of this world? Because yeah. somebody sat in the room and went, well, I'm just a little low person. They're not going to listen to me. Have your voice. Speak your voice. Be brave. And I tell them my story. And I told my boss, I'm like, dude, I'm done chasing titles. 
let me spend the next six years doing what I do in this program to help ASW, advance ASW, but in the same time, let me work with the interns. Let me work with the junior people. Let me teach them how to be leaders, not managers. Because John, I can promise you the U.S. government, federal service, we are no different than business. And you, I know you brought this up because you teach at UNC and there's a great insight to industry class at UNC that I got to attend. They actually recognize it now. Business schools, nothing against business schools. Business schools teach people how to manage. You need more people to, you said this, we, we talked about this. We need people to teach people how to lead. Yeah. How do you teach people how to lead? You have to have the experience of a leader. I can't, I can write a book, but you can't read. But if you get a chance to talk to me, talk to you, talk to any of these other great leaders that we know, if you get a chance to sit and talk to us and absorb that from us, get that culture, get that energy, then we're, I'm more interested in creating leaders to build the bench. I want to retire. I want to go off and do something else, but I cannot do it in my good heart conscience. I cannot leave my programs to bad leaders and bad bosses. I have to, I, I still have the watch. I still have that responsibility to build leaders, not just good managers. Trying to teach them the difference between you manage things, you lead people, mm-hmm. pure and simple. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and the other thing too, I think, uh, Chuck, is a great lesson in leading yourself first. I mean, it's a great lesson in recognizing that, you know, in, and I have a good friend of, my, of mine, John Brubaker, and he's been on the show, um, <laughs> Coach Coach Brew, as he's often yeah. called. But he he says that if you're, you know, being a leader, you're on stage, right? He says you're, you're on stage 24-7. Yep. And he said, you got to make sure the backstage is organized, right? So mm-hmm. if you got a complete disaster backstage, your finances are a mess, your health is a mess, you have no spiritual walk, you, you know, you, you're not doing anything to, to grow your mind. Like you're not reading, you're not listening to podcasts, you're not. So, so if you're just working your tail off and then coming home, eating junk and watching Netflix and going to bed and you're not taking care of it, you got this disaster backstage. You can't be the best leader you can be on the front of that yep. stage, your backstage. Absolutely. And I think- Absolutely. Your story is one of, uh, you know, the backstage was a mess and and you were neglecting some things. And then you're like, look, I got to, you know, I got to get off the stage, get to this stage where I can take care of the backstage and get that organized. And then now you can go further now that you've got that organized. You've got the support systems in place. You've got your finance, your your uh, your spirituality, your, your men- mental models set, your physical self. And I think that's 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 a really powerful story. I really think that that um, you know leaders you're hearing that, and if you fall, if you feel like you're identifying with the the the, the high stress Chuck, <laughs> find yeah. your way to the to the old Chuck, where yeah. you're back to hopefully putting googly eyes on those uh, on those yeah. on the restroom guys. <laughs> yeah, no, and and I, and I think you're right, and it's it's just. You know, it's one of those things to where you you hear it over and over, but until until it slaps you in the face, and it sometimes and then, and you know, again, you know, with the with with the whole faith based thing, I just I quit asking, I just quit asking God, Creator, or whoever, I quit asking, why are you testing me? And I started asking, what are you trying to teach me? Yeah, um, yeah. and then that that right there will flip your mindset just like that. 
yeah. to where it's like now, even, even negative things are a gift because I'm going, what can I learn out of this? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tell people now, I'm very open. I'm like, feedback is a gift, whether it's good or bad, you know, yep. and then I go, then I go to my redneck self. I quote Dale Earnhardt and I remember when Dale Earnhardt <laughs> told new driver, he goes, kid, it doesn't matter if they're cheering you or booing you. You need to worry when they quit making noise yeah. because now they forgot about you. So I, you know, everything is an opportunity and we as leaders, I think we're obligated to never stop learning that, uh, you know, I, if I, I'm, I haven't encountered, I haven't encountered it yet. If I ever hear a leader who claims to be a leader, tell me, Hey, I'm, I'm just about at my limit. I think I've learned just about all I can about leadership. I, I'm probably going to punch them in the throat and, and <laughs> yes. get another HR violation. Um, throw it in a stack. I don't care. But we have a, we have to keep we have to keep reading. We have to keep learning. We have to keep talking to each other. And, and again, I think that's a key point too. You know, all of the great books. You got a bunch. Everybody's got a bunch of great books. Um, I don't, but um, we we listen to podcasts, we read books. But I think we have to also find that touch point. And, and I don't, I hate calling it mentoring. I just, I've gotten to where I don't like mentoring. I don't like coaching. I just, I just call it, Hey man, we're just, it's leader. It's leadership fellowship. You know, it's, Hey, get a group of leaders together, go have a cold beer, go have a coffee and just sit around and talk about leadership things that you popped up with. And, and you find out just like everything else with life that, you know, once you share a burden, your brother probably has a burden too, and has a, maybe already done that burden and go, well, I can help you with that. Yeah. So I think we need to give back to a lot of that. You know, we, we got forced into the internet to the, to the, all of this stuff during COVID. I think we got to get back to, 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 to just collaborating with each other as leaders of going, Hey man, I, I mean, I did it with you. I called you back a few months ago. How do I handle a hard employee in your, your metaphor of there are no bad puzzle pieces. They just don't fit in your puzzle. And that totally changed my mindset and it helped a ton and people are using it now. So, you know, it's one of those things where just a quick phone call. Hey brother, I got a problem. Hey, have you seen this? Can you give me a, can you give me a hand? And that goes back to what we learned in the military, man, of who's got your back, you know, reach out to the senior person, somebody that's got experience just don't be afraid to admit you don't know what you don't know is what it comes down to. Be open and honest with yourself and go, I have no idea what I'm doing. Jeez, what am I doing? Can you help me? So, yeah. That, that is a powerful final message. I really, really appreciate what you said. And the other thing too, I think, Chuck, you put, you know, you, you put your, your, you, you listen to the podcast, but you took action. You're like, that, that message resonated with me. You connected with one of the guests, you know, several of the previous guests mm-hmm. on the show. And again, listeners, um, that's what we're here for. We're, we're providing you a resource, right? And this is a short podcast, 30 minutes only. But again, we're introducing you to a concept or a person. Please reach out to them. Please please connect with them. Please learn from them. Get deeper with the things that resonate with you. And I think you're going to have a better, you're going to get more out of this podcast if you do that and if you just listen in um, passively. But if you're an active listener and you take action on these things, you're going to get more out of the podcast. So my hat's off to you, uh, Chuck, just for taking action, hooking up, meeting with the people that I've had on the show and and with the with the areas in your life that you were working on, and and look at the situation. It's a completely it's a it's a complete turnaround, and yeah. it's a great story. And uh, wow! So what a powerful story, Chuck. 
thank you for coming back on the show. I love this. So how can our listeners, if, they, if, they, if this resonated, how can they connect with you to learn more? So the, really the easiest way is, is I don't have a sub stack anymore. I don't have a book. I don't have a podcast. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. Chief Chuck 2K uh, is my Twitter handle or X or whatever we're calling it now. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that's where I hang out a lot. And that's where, you know, my DMs stay open. Uh, I don't have a ton of followers. I don't really care. Um, so, but if you have listeners that have, they have a podcast, if they're interested in me being on and sharing my story, my goal is, and I don't charge money. I'll, if you want me to speak to your business team, if you want me to speak to anybody, I'm happy to tell my story. I'm not going to charge for it. This is a calling for me. This is an ethical, moral thing that I should do. I feel like it's my calling is to share this story. If I can stop one person from winding up like I did, then I'm been, I've done good and I'm, I'm going to be happy with that. So you can reach out to me on Twitter. Um, email is chiefchuck2k at gmail.com. You can reach out to me. I'm happy to tell my story. I'm happy to have one-on conversations. If you just want to call me up and, and talk, if you're feeling down and low, reach out to me, man. Please do. Um, there's no reason to suffer in silence anymore. So that's how you can reach me. Uh, and I'm happy to be a bit of service to anybody, anytime, anywhere. As we say in F3, I don't say person, but we say, man, hey, we leave no one behind, but we leave no one where we found them. Um, so, you know, a lot of powerful people there that can help, and I'm one of them. So happy to do it. Absolutely. Well, such a great message, Chuck. And we're going to put links in the show notes to your resources. And again, listeners, be active with this podcast. Don't just be passive. If something resonates with you, if Chuck's message is resonating with you, reach out to him and uh, connect with him. Learn learn the lessons he's learned. Don't burn out. Don't fail. Don't be that 65-year-old uh, person that that dies of a heart attack because you've, you've stressed yourself out. Um, find that balance in your life. Chuck has done it. You can do it. Um, this has been powerful. Chuck, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing the story and sharing the lessons that you learned along the way. I really appreciate it. And I know that it's going to resonate well with our listeners. Thank you, John. It's always an honor and I appreciate the opportunity to do it. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. 
Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 